strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, yo, Chris Merrill in for Broomhead today and tomorrow and Friday. It's busy. By the way, I get in trouble every year at this time. Uh, in fact, I believe, I think I was in for Broomhead last year, uh, this week as well. And I always get in trouble. And the reason is that uh, tomorrow is my wife's birthday. And she said, what are we doing for my birthday? And I said, working. Ugh. Of course, so is she. But she, for whatever reason, feels like she can blow it off. I can't really blow it off. I can't just call up and be like, guys, I'm just not going to be there. Because I'm the one that's filling in for the guy that did that. Guys, they're not going to be there. I'm on vacation, says Broomhead. So now I'm covering. So I'm committed. My wife's like, that nah, work's not really a commitment. It's more of a, it's more of an option. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. Imagine if you had to be back to work for this week of purgatory. Maybe you didn't have any vacation time or paid time off left. And you're trying to get from point A to point B, and you're booked on Southwest. Oh, what a disaster. Or what if you are using the last of your vacation time, and you're spending your entire vacation in an airport? That's what's happening with a lot of people trying to get to the Fiesta Bowl. They can't. Can't get here. And uh, that's a problem. Duh. Uh, I had a buddy that is... <laughs> excuse me. I have a buddy that lives in Chicago. And he was trying to get to New Orleans for a, a bowl game there. And um, he had booked with Southwest. He says he doesn't fly Southwest very often. Full disclosure, I do. Southwest is the, the airline I use... Uh, almost exclusively, I just I have their Rapid Rewards credit card, and so I just pile up my miles on there, and they tend to fly to the destinations that I want to go to cheaper. So, uh, so Southwest is the one I use, uh, that I often use. I haven't been stranded before. I have been stranded, or I should say, my daughter was stranded with Allegiant one time, and so I don't look to Allegiant, but my wife doesn't seem to mind. She still books. In fact, just booked a, a trip for my son uh, on Allegiant for this summer. <clears throat> But there are people saying they'll never fly Southwest again after this this mess. It's one thing uh, to have your flights canceled because there is bad weather. So as we knew bad weather was was hitting different places last last week, late last week, right? Thursday it started in, in some of the Plains states um, and, and Denver as well. And then Friday was hitting the Midwest. Uh, and then by Saturday it was kind of moving into the, the East Coast. It's one thing if your flight is canceled because you can't land on the runway at O'Hare. Right, winds are sixty miles an hour, uh, coming off of Lake Michigan, and you've got uh, three inches of snow under you. I would just assume you cancel that flight rather than try to land it. I'm fine not being on that plane. But what's frustrating, <clears throat> excuse me, is when they've got the the runways cleared. When you're watching Delta take off, when you're watching American take off, when you're watching United take off, when you're watching JetBlue take off, but you're sitting there waiting for your Southwest flight, and you're your uh, plane is just sitting uh, at the at the concourse, and there's nobody there to fly it because they screwed so many different things up, not having their crews in the right cities and everything else. So I got this buddy that's in Chicago trying to get his bowl game in New Orleans. He says he, he doesn't fly Southwest very often. He flies, uh, I think he said he, he usually goes... Uh, I don't even remember what it was. He compared it to Delta. And uh, he says, I don't fly Southwest very often, but the tickets I got were $250 cheaper. So he was going down to to watch one of the bowl games there. And 
he said that the flight got canceled. It was getting backed up, and he was afraid he wasn't going to be able to make it. So he started looking around for alternatives, and he said the cheapest ticket he could find was $1,100 last minute to fly to New Orleans. So then he started looking into renting a car. He said it would have been a 19-hour drive for him. So what he ended up doing is kind of compromising, I guess, halfway. He was able to get a flight to San Antonio, and then he'll be renting a car from there and driving to New Orleans. What a pain in the keister that is. And then you got to, he said it's eight hours. And then he has to drive back eight hours. This is because he got screwed by Southwest. The CEO of Southwest uh, said, really sorry, everybody. Really sorry. I just want to reiterate. And please also hear that I'm truly sorry. Truly sorry. Truly sorry. Truly sorry probably isn't going to cut it when the government starts investigating what exactly is going on. Pete Buttigieg was on with Wolf Blitzer, and the wolf got to the bottom of the story. You just spoke directly with the CEO of Southwest Airlines. Did you get any explanation at all for this horrendous meltdown of epic proportions? Yeah, what was his explanation? Was it as lame as he told us publicly when he said... And please also hear that I'm truly sorry. Yeah, was that it? Pete, go ahead. Secretary of Transportation. Well, meltdown is the right word. This is an unacceptable situation. You look at the number of passengers who are stranded. Uh, you look at how hard it is even to get somebody on the phone to address it. Uh, from what I can tell, Southwest is unable to locate even where their own crews are, let alone their own passengers, let alone baggage. Uh, so uh, I conveyed to the CEO our expectation that they are going to go above and beyond to take care of passengers and to address this. Uh, they indicated a number of issues that they're having with uh, systems, uh, legacy systems for managing uh, their, their schedule and where their crews are. Uh, but the bottom line is uh, the rest of the aviation system has been on the road to recovery since the worst days of the storm going into Friday of last week. As of today, as I'm looking at the different airlines, most of them are in the low single digits in terms of cancellation rates, uh, averaging, averaging about 5% for all of the other airlines. Which uh, is for still, Southwest right now, we appear to sorry, be north you, of 70. Ah, there we go. Which is still pretty high. 5% is high. Normally, it's in that 2% range. But, you know, they're, they're recovering. They've still got some storm stuff recovery. So we understand. We'll give them a little bit of leeway. But what, what about Southwest there, Pete? Uh, for Southwest right now, we appear to be north of 70%. So they what? 70% of their flights are canceled? Their system uh, really has completely melted down. And I've made clear that uh, our department will be holding them accountable for their responsibilities to customers, uh, both to get them through this situation and to make sure that this can't happen again. Yeah. I love it when politicians say they're going to hold somebody accountable. We're going to hold them accountable unless they make a really good-sized donation to my, to my favorite campaign. Yeah, you got to learn the lessons of this disaster. Southwest, it's not the other major U.S. airlines, it's Southwest Airlines. What more can you tell us, Mr. Secretary, about that conversation which you had with the CEO of Southwest Airlines? Uh, and what is he doing? What are they doing to correct these major issues? Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, nothing. Well, over the course of the last year, as you know, we've seen a number of issues with the different airlines. And in the summer in particular, we pressed them to improve their standard of customer service. Uh, they provided uh, commitments in writing, including Southwest, uh, that they would uh, go above the, the previous level of what you do to take care of ca customers with things like uh, covering the cost if, if you get... You know, the question was, what else is he doing? Here was the question again. Mr. Secretary, about that conversation which you had with the CEO of Southwest Airlines... Uh 
Uh, and what is he doing? What are they doing to correct these major issues? Again, what are they doing to correct these major issues? And he goes, well, last summer we put a plan in place. Now that we have those commitments uh, that were made to us over the summer, we're going to be using that as a tool to hold them accountable. And I made that well, clear to no uh, Southwest's leadership. Now, they did, uh, the CEO pledged to me uh, that they will not only meet, but they will exceed uh, the customer service standards and, and commitments that uh, uh, that they have made to us in the past. And Two bags of peanuts for everyone! We're really, really sorry! Two bags, everyone! Two ba- Except for the swollen face guy. He's allergic to peanuts. You get pretzels! Come on over here, Puffy! You get pretzels! Two bags of pretzels! That's not above and beyond. I'm not feeling like it's above and beyond. And I also don't believe when politicians say, we're going to hold somebody accountable. But there's There will be accountability here. No, you know where there's accountability? It's on Wall Street. Southwest is down uh, more than 2.5% today. If we take a look at uh, what they've had for this week, there was a precipitous drop in their stock price on Friday. Uh, it uh, From close on Friday until open on Tuesday, uh, they dropped... Uh, I don't know, two bucks or something like that, uh, which was a pretty sizable drop. Uh, They are down almost 10% in the last week. So Southwest is seeing uh, near Tesla-like performance for the last week. Uh, Don't know how low that's going to stay. They're dropping pretty fast today. Most of the market is down today, or at least uh, some pretty big ones. Apple's down, Ford is down, Disney is down, Uh, but not like like Southwest. Um, So not going very well for them. Uh, at this time, I have a feeling the shareholders will punish the company more than the government will. The government is going to say, what can you do? They'll try to, we want to work with you. As far as holding people responsible and getting people paid for, say, their rental cars that they had to pick up. And by the way, rent, renting a car and dropping it off in another city is not super cheap either. And how many rental car companies have enough vehicles available? Because, as you recall, we were fighting backups in, in the uh, car markets because of the supply chain issues for the last couple of years. So you had rental car companies that weren't replenishing their fleets. So now they can hit you for a demand fee right now, as well as charging you to drop off in another city. Which means a whole bunch of cars end up in Phoenix, but if you are in Indianapolis, there are no cars because everybody has driven to Phoenix and now they've all been dropped off here, right? See how that works out? All the way around. Just a mess. Just a mess. I got to talk to you about what appears to be rebelling elves of the North Pole. That is next. I'm Chris Merrill, in for Mike Broomhead at KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Uh, Chris Maryland for Broomhead. KTAR. Uh, normally we do the, uh, you know, have you heard this? Uh, did you hear this? Excuse me, the big segment today. But with Broomhead being gone, uh, I'm lazy. So instead, I thought I would share with you a story that I, I was watching. I've been watching the news here, trying to get ready for the show and all week. And uh, I happened to watch the NBC midday news, and they were talking about this couple that found a bunch of packages by the side of the road when they were out hiking. Get, get a load of this story. 
afternoon, a Scottsdale couple is coming to the rescue, helping dozens of locals recover their Amazon packages after they were found dumped on the side of the road. Yeah, can you believe that? Team 12's Trisha Hendricks explains what happened and how the couple stepped up to help their neighbors. I'll tell you what happened. Those are people that were not prime customers. you got to pay to have your package make it all the way to the doorstep. Very surprised. Ned Bloom and his wife were walking their dog on a Sunday morning a few weeks ago when all of a sudden they saw something that didn't look quite right. Saw a bunch of boxes, made a comment about, you know, who would just throw garbage, you know, on the side of the road. But when they got closer, realized that they were multiple Amazon packages, ended up being about 25, 30 of them. Holy cow! 25 or 30 packages by the side of the road. It feels like a railway in Los Angeles. That's crazy. Then two dozen Amazon boxes ditched on the side of the road with no delivery truck in sight. How they got there? A mystery. They were definitely um, planted there, I would say, instead of just falling out of a trunk. All of the boxes Hmm. were addressed to the same apartment complex with different unit numbers about a mile away. So they decided to take action. I went back to our house to get our car. And we loaded them all up in the trunk. They couldn't find the main office, but they did find a resident who was nice enough to store the boxes in her garage and then posted about it in a neighborhood portal so they could find the rightful owner. Within a day or two, um, she said that they had all been picked up. Ned and his wife just glad they could be part of the solution. Oh, this is a nice Christmas story because you know you'd be tempted, wouldn't you? It did feel good. We actually even called Amazon, kind of had some difficulty communicating kind of what had happened. Um, you know, they, we gave them some of the tracking numbers. So for now, how, <laughs> when, or why the boxes were ditched remains a mystery. But at least the owners got their deliveries in time for the holidays. That's nice. Leaving Ned and his wife getting a lot of positive feedback on a neighborhood app. Oh. Hundreds of comments and likes and things like that. You never know what you're going to find on those morning walks. <laughs> exactly. In Scottsdale, Trisha Hendricks. Oh, that's nice. 12 News. Thank you, Trisha. I like those nice uplifting stories around the holidays. Holidays. That makes me happy, especially because I, I absolutely look at this and I went, I don't know. It's so funny from the outside looking in, I go, I don't know if I'd return those packages. If if the situation arose, I would have done exactly what they did. I would have gotten those packages to where they belong. Absolutely. I've done it before. I found people's IDs when I'm out walking. I've walked the ID or, or driven it to somebody's house to say, hey, I found this. I've actually, I've done that twice now. Um here in the valley. Uh, I find, and I don't know why it is people around here. I've never found other people's IDs laying on the ground elsewhere, but here in uh, in the valley, twice I've, I've done that. Uh, so maybe hang on to your ID. That's one thing. The other, I, I, I see these packages. I would want to shake them. Are they heavy? Is there good stuff in there? I There's this piece of me that goes, I want to get into those packages, but I know if push came to shove, I'd do the same thing. Well, good for these people. That makes me happy. I just wanted to highlight them today. And to whoever the elf is that threw those out of the sleigh, shame on you. You shall be banished to reindeer dookie duty from here on out. We'll go low wattage next. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, good morning. Chris Merrill in for Broomhead, the KTAR. I'm a sports fan. Um, it, uh, it 
pains me whenever I do a talk show and I want to talk about sports, I often will have a program director say, we're not a sports station. Okay, fine. But if it's a big deal, and some cities are better than other cities, and I've worked in cities that it's not such a big deal and some cities where it is a big deal, and I would say that in Phoenix, our sports are a big deal. A lot of us pay very close attention, especially to things like the Cardinals. And I I find hockey to be uh, a far bigger deal in Phoenix uh, than it is in many other cities that have even multiple hockey teams. I, I do some work in Los Angeles, and... They just don't care about the Kings or the Ducks. They don't care. Uh, But uh, people care about the the Yotes here. Same thing in Southern California when I worked in San Diego. It was like uh, people just didn't really care all that much about the Chargers. And the the boss would always say, "Uh, we can talk about the Chargers if you want to promote that they're going to be on our other stations. But maybe don't spend so much time talking about them on the air. But here in, in Phoenix, what I find is people do. I mean, it, it kind of brings us together uh, here. Much of that may be because of the influence we have from uh, people moving here from elsewhere. Although the same could be said for Southern California. But it's a big deal in the Midwest. Your sports teams are huge. If you are in Denver, I lived in Colorado for a while. And we used to joke about the the news in in Denver it would say uh, the news would start like you know it'd have that boom 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 tonight on the news six people dead in a north side shooting but first the Broncos open their spring training or I guess it'd be the Rockies or the Broncos begin their their OTAs <laughs> whatever you know the camps or whatever it was always whatever the Broncos were doing was the the first thing that was really big. Same thing goes for Indianapolis or Minneapolis or or some of the the Midwestern towns, especially. Kansas City was that way. I lived in Kansas City for a while. It was all about the Chiefs. Oh, the Chiefs. They'd say, massive accident backs up I-35 for miles in every direction. But first, the Chiefs in action this weekend. Yeah, always. I find it's a big deal here, too. And so when news broke... That J.J. Watt seemingly announced his retirement. All of a sudden, that was a buzz, man. That was a big buzz that happened. And um, he he posted that on Twitter. It was a picture of him, and I believe it was him and his wife and his son. Is that is that right, guys? I believe so. I had it here as I was looking this up earlier. And uh, newborn son, yeah. Uh, his newborn son is is it. Koa or is it KOA? Did he name him after a campground or is it? Oh, it's Koa. Oh, Koa. Okay, I wanted to make thanks, guys. I appreciate the, the clarification. Uh, I knew that. I thought it was hilarious that I could say he was named after a campground. So uh, he says, you know, this is my last home game. That's it. I'm out of here. JJ Watt, one of the great defensive players in the history of the NFL. So imposing on the offense and able to do incredible three sacks in a game just this year. I mean, he's far from being, uh, you know, headed into his twilight years. But he says, no, that's it. Uh, Got to call it quits. Uh, he wants to help out. He wants to do more in the, the benevolence realm. And he wants to spend more time with his family. I will say I was impressed by Greg Moore, sports writer for, uh, for the Republic who had what I think is a wonderful denial uh, that he printed out. Uh, Here's the headline. More. Are we sure J.J. Watt announced his retirement? Question mark. 
The article starts, no, nope, nuh-uh, no stinking way. I'm not going to believe J.J. Watt is retiring until I see it or don't see it with my own two eyes. <laughs> so then he does what I that politicians do. It was so fantastic. Uh, here's what Moore says. Uh, he posted a picture on Sunday of his newborn son along with a simple statement that read, Koa's first NFL game. My last ever NFL home game. My heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been an absolute honor and pleasure. Moore replies by saying, nowhere in that text did he use the word retire. It could just be that he's sick of losing home games. The Cardinals are 4-12 and at State Farm Stadium during Watt's time in the Valley. Uh, we're not going to count Mexico City as a home game, okay? So he says, maybe Watt wants to negotiate a new contract that will only require him to play in road games. He did have a three-sack game up in Denver a couple of weeks ago. I love the the absolute depths of denial that Greg Moore is in. I love it. I love it. It's of course it's facetious. That's the whole idea of the writing is that he, it's it's tongue in cheek, but it, it is so true. It expresses we don't want to see somebody leave the field we admire so much, not just because. J.J. Watt was great on the field, but in the same way that we admire Larry Fitzgerald and we didn't want him to retire because we wanted to we want to cheer for these players on the field because they do so much for us off the field because they spend their time with altruistic intents. They, They set up foundations to help people. They set up scholarships to help people. They're the ones who stay after the games, even when they lose, even when they're beaten and battered and sore. And these guys go through a tremendous amount on the field. And to finish a game and then go sign autographs, take pictures with kids, all this kind of stuff, when you know all they want to do is go sit in an ice bath. These are the people that we admire, not for what they do on the field, but because of the people they are off the field. These are the true role models. And when they say they retire, it almost feels like, it's harder for us to be able to point to our kids and say, you want to be like that person. Because let's face it, the cameras aren't on uh, Cardinals players delivering turkeys on Thanksgiving. The cameras aren't on uh, Suns players who are out buying Christmas gifts for, for underprivileged kids. They're not there. But the cameras are on when they're playing those games. And we can point to those players and we can say, that's the guy. That's the guy that did something great. This happened to me. I was in when I was working in San Diego. The radio stations there were um, like half a block from Walmart, and uh, it was not uncommon to pop over to Walmart when you needed something, either on the air or right after you got off the air, uh, and just pick some stuff up on your way home. And that happened to me one time uh, around the holidays. I popped into Walmart. I can't remember if it was before the show or after. But I saw some of the Chargers players that were there. It just happened that the Chargers training camp was about a mile away. This was the closest Walmart to their training camp as well as the the uh, radio station. And I happened to see some of the Chargers players that were just filling carts up as they were they were going around. You could tell they were with uh, they were with a, a, a charitable group of some sort. You know, people wandering around with lanyards on, you know, and their name badges on it. And they're just buying stuff from the kids section, toys, clothes, and all this stuff. And I knew exactly what they were doing. This is part of the community outreach through the NFL. And and it was just impressive to see these guys in there, just these massive human beings wandering around Walmart, 
filling their carts up with stuff for kids they'd never met. And to be honest, it was one of those things where I'm going, oh, I know that guy. That's so-and-so. I watch him every Sunday. This is just me in my head. Oh, that's so-and-so. And suddenly my impression of that individual went from, wow, that's a great person on the field. I like watching them play to, wow, that's a great person. I want him to be successful on the field because of what he's doing off the field. And that's what we get from J.J. Watt. That's what we got from Fitz. It's what we get from so many of the greats. And so that's why when they say they're retiring, you know, we don't necessarily want to see them retire because we want to keep rooting for them to have personal success because they're good people. And it it just uh, it struck me. I was both happy for J.J. Watt, and it, but at the same time selfish because I want him around. I love watching him on the field. But I'm so happy that he's able to make this decision at a time that he can spend more time with his kid and, uh, and more time with whatever the, the charitable endeavors are that he's doing. Speaking of charity, how much, if you won the Mega Millions jackpot, would you set aside for charity? Before you answer that, the jackpot is at $640 million. And you might be thinking you're going to set aside X amount. Hold off just a moment here. Because your numbers may not pencil out the way you think they do. That's next. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead, KTAR. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. All right, be safe today, my friends. It has been a pleasure being with you. We've got Dave Ramsey coming up here in just a few moments. Uh, always a pleasure having uh, the, the Ramsey Show. A uh, program I've listened to for many years after I get off the air, whether it's uh, been here or at uh, a different station in town. Uh, I've listened to Dave Ramsey for a long time here on KTAR. Uh, we got uh, more rain in the forecast here over you know the next uh, 24 hours and then on through the weekend, so do be careful when you're on the roads, please. Uh, and then use caution on New Year's as well. I know they're going to, I'm sure they're going to do the saturation patrols, right, to make sure you're not drinking and driving. Uh, drinking and driving with the bad weather conditions is uh, doubly, doubly bad. The uh, the Mega Millions jackpot went off last night, and you didn't win. I didn't win. Nobody won. The, uh, the, uh, the jackpot is now going up to, they estimate, $640 million for the next Mega Millions jackpot. Uh, that number, as these jackpots grow, the estimates suddenly jump. They start jumping up much greater in... Uh, more of a logarithmic fashion rather than a linear fashion. Uh, you know, when the jackpot is $20 million, the next jackpot might be $22 million, whereas now we start seeing it jump more than 10 or 15 or 30%. It starts going up a bunch. And then once, you know, if nobody hits at $640 million, that thing may go up to eight or $900 million the next time around and then uh, into the, the billion-dollar range. If you won the jackpot, would you be making a, a donation to a charity? Maybe it's one charity. Maybe you would say, I want to set aside uh, 10% to give to a number of different charities. That's very nice of you, first of all. The fact that you'd be thinking about that before you won the jackpot is very nice of you. You're a good person. The fact that you just say, I want to give this to some other people. I want to do good things with my money. Good on you. Now, if you're going to take that money and give it to a politician, bad on you. Don't do that. That's just a waste. But if you were to win $640 million in the next jackpot, how much would you give away? Would you give away half of it? 
See, I won $640 million. I'm going to give away 320 Would you give away 10%? I'm going to give away $64 million? Well, before you make those decisions, um, hang on just a sec. I always love taking a look at just how much money somebody actually gets after cash lump sum, after taxes, and so forth. So the cash lump sum option, if you were to win the $640 million Mega Millions jackpot, your your cash lump sum jackpot is roughly half that, $328 million. So if you were going to give away $320 million, uh, that would only leave you with $8 million left. If you were going to give away half of your $640 million jackpot, you'd only have $8 million left. That wouldn't work out very well because the, the lump sum option is about half. If you want the full amount, you have to take that in the form of annuities, which would give you X amount every um, every month. Excuse me, every year you'd get uh, uh, so much money, $12, $13 million, something like that. So why would you do the cash lump sum option? Because you could take that money and you could invest it and make more over the course of 30 years than you would if you took a 30-year annuity payout. But here's where things get ugly. The federal tax withholding immediately is 24%. However, they're going to hold back 24%, but when you do your taxes next year, and remember, if you won this uh, on Saturday, it would still be a 20 22 uh, jackpot. So when you go to file your taxes, you still have to pay more to the federal government. Total withholding on the taxes to the feds is 37%. That doesn't matter if you're filing single or married or anything else. 37%. So right off the bat, 37% gone. All right? So again, you lose almost 50% with the cash lump sum option. Then you're going to lose another 37% of that. So you go from 640 million to 328 million, and then dropping that down to, uh, hold on, 209 million. This is what you have all of a sudden. And then, since you're playing in Arizona, Arizona has a 4.8% tax on top of that. So if you win a $640 million jackpot, you're coming home with less than $200 million, $191 million to be exact. Suddenly, that half a billion dollars is less than a quarter billion dollars. That doesn't feel so good. Although, as my grandfather would always say, I would much rather pay the taxes on a rich man's salary than on my own, because that means you have that much money. You'd have a lot more uh, in your pocket if you did the the annuity payout. But again, if you were to invest your money, you'd have more uh, in the long run. Uh, Just for the sake of comparison, New York's taxes are almost 11%. Uh, That would stinkish. You'd lose another $20 off the top. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Chris Maryland from Mike Broomhead, KTAR.